0: Hey folks, if this is your first time tuning into Witch Police Radio, please turn back now. This is not a new episode of the podcast. There's 700 plus episodes in the archive you can check out, and if you want to hear new, current content, please check out one of the recent episodes, any of the the most recent episodes from the past few months, and you'll get new, kind of current, happening stuff. This is an old episode from way back in 2014, and as I've explained on other episodes like this, when I switched hosting providers years ago for the podcast files, I screwed up and a big chunk of episodes, about 40 or 50 of them, from 2013-2014 era didn't get transferred over to the current podcast feed. Because they're so old, and you know, at this point they're almost a decade old, I didn't make it a priority to bring them back and make them available. So what I'm doing is periodically releasing episodes from the vault, and this is one of those episodes. It's from the summer of 2014 and it's a conversation with Sammy Cohn of The Watchmen. If you're from Winnipeg especially, or really anywhere else in Canada, you probably heard of The Watchmen growing up, you probably still listen to them now. They were kind of one of the biggest Canadian rock acts of the 90s and beyond to come out of Winnipeg. And we were lucky enough, me and my then co-host John Askelm, to get Sammy on the phone. It's an early effort at talking to someone remotely, because he was, and I believe still is, living in Toronto at the time. But we had Sammy on, we talked about the band's history, and we talked about the then upcoming reissue of the 1994 classic in the trees which is still to this day my favorite watchman album i have their whole discography and in the trees is the standout for me anyway so it was really cool to uh talk to sammy about the band and get some uh, info about the the reissue that was happening because uh yeah great album uh cool band definitely an iconic winnipeg band and again if you want to hear new stuff check out any of the other recent episodes the next one you're going to hear uh, right after this is going to be another new one so stay tuned for that and yeah you're going to hear these from the vault episodes every few months i have quite a few to go through and every once in a while i'm just going to throw one up there into the feed with a little intro like this and you can check it out so thanks again for listening hope you enjoy the show and this is the episode originally number 77 double digits not even into triple digits yet with sammy Cohn of the watchman released in summer 2014. Radio. Uh, this is a little bit of a different episode than we usually do. Uh, if you're a regular listener, you've kind of heard our, our normal format, but every once in a while, uh, depending on the guest, depending on the situation, we change it up a little bit. So uh, this week we have uh, Sammy from the band The Watchman, uh, who, I mean, most of our listeners are in Winnipeg and I think it's a band that everyone is pretty familiar with. Yeah, uh, I'd say so. Probably one of the most successful bands from the city in, in recent memory for sure. And uh, so we're really happy to have you on the show here. Thanks a lot for calling in. You're welcome. My pleasure. And and you're in Toronto now, right? Is that is that where the band's uh, based out of? Yeah, I
1: mean, we we, we all live here. I mean, can can the bass player lives outside the city in a city called Peterborough, which is about three hours away. But uh, we all we all live here now. Joey, Danny, and myself. Cool.
2: And now, yeah. As far as I mean, the band is a big hit in, you know, mid-90s and stuff, but you guys are still playing now. I mean, I know there's been some stuff in between, but you're you're back together playing some shows here and there. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, we, we, we sort of called it a day in about 2003. I, I sort of um, uh, parted with the band, about I suppose about 18 months prior to them sort of calling it officially quits, but uh, since 2008 we've been doing it's uh, usually anywhere between half a dozen to about 10 shows a year um, in some cities that still seem to be interested. So it's now it's kind of about uh, having some fun. And um, it, it, in a way, it sort of feels a little bit like sort of keeping the plates spinning uh, because there isn't... Uh, any real new material, with the exception of about two or three songs that we made available on our website, but we've been um, trying to keep uh, old fans interested by doing things like special releases via our website and really leveraging social media, because that really wasn't a part of the uh, the picture when we were a band like uh, in the 90s, late 90s. We, we the advent of the internet sort of uh, uh, came came about. Essentially, when the band disbanded, so it's a real treat for us now um, <clears throat> to just deal directly with with fans. I mean, I I, I, off, I often say that the Watchmen never uh, became a household name, but and we we actually don't even have that many fans per se in in, in this country. But the ones who are fans are incredibly loyal, and uh, it's almost like this sort of culty following we have where there's there's a few few people out there who just sort of hang on every word still and it's we're we're super proud of the recording so it's um it's a nice thing yeah that's good
2: that's got to feel great to have a band kind of like you know call it a day and go on to other things but then there's enough of a demand for you to actually keep it back up again uh mm-hmm. that's very cool and
0: i guess uh, i mean like you know some of your albums uh the first ones anyway i mean your first record is already more than 20 years old at this point. And uh, I mean, are, are you seeing the same fans kind of coming back from the old days, or are there new people getting introduced to it? Uh, you know, like a, a next generation of fans, or a mix? Or what kind of audiences are you seeing with these tenor shows? I think it's a
1: mix. I mean, we, we, I am seeing some familiar faces um, from the late 90s, people who generally end up being like probably about my age. But there are some younger people, too. I mean, as a matter of fact, there's this girl right now. uh, Her name is Vanessa Azuli. Uh, She approached us about two or three months ago to do a biography on the band, to write a biography. Oh, cool. And she, um, long story short, she found a publisher called Eternal Cavalier Press here in in Toronto, and she sent sort of a first draft of something she was working on, and they were very interested in supporting what she was doing. But when I met with her not long ago for the first time, you know we had been corresponding by email for several weeks, she indicated that the first time she'd seen us was in two thousand eight. Oh, wow. So um, she was just a kid when our first record came out, when our first I essentially mean, when all of our albums were sort of on the shelves. Yeah. So I don't know how she heard about us, and I don't know um, how many people there are like her, but we're definitely, uh, as a result of continued radio play in some major cities, still I think we're still gaining a few fans here and there, and, and people can easily go on Facebook and find us. And yeah, uh, so I think it's a mix of both to, to answer your question.
0: Well, I think that like I mean, do you, like you said, continue radio play. I mean, here in Winnipeg, for sure. Uh, I mean, you turn on, you know, one of the one of the main rock stations, and uh, you know, Stereo, for example, is going to be played pretty regularly, and it's still cool to hear it. I mean, uh, I know for us, like you know, we're in our 30s now, and I, I remember when I was growing up and first getting into music, the album that everyone had uh, of your guy, your stuff, was in the trees, and that you know had just come out, I guess, and it seemed like I mean, I had it on tape. It seemed like everyone had that record. And, um, so it's very cool to see yeah. that, you know, you guys are still, you guys are still doing things and you're still playing because, uh, you know, I mean, that was a big record for a lot of people in our generation and, I mean, obviously people are older than us too and younger, so it's, yeah, I mean, you guys were, uh, a pretty big band to come out of Winnipeg, so, you know,
1: glad. Well, you know, it, Win- Winnipeg is, um, a big part of our story. We, uh, we spent essentially all of, uh, of the time when we were a functioning band in the city, we all live there, with the exception of Ken, who again was uh, was sort of spending most of his time in Toronto. But he he was in Winnipeg probably two weeks out of every month for, for about four or five years there. So I mean, I get back to Winnipeg pretty regularly. I've got family there, and I probably come home. Uh, I still call it home on like, three four times a year, and um, I'm I'm still I sort of still keep tabs on the Winnipeg music scene because cool. I mean certainly there's. Hundreds of great bands in Toronto, but I'm I'm still um, there's just a sense of pride I have of anybody who comes from Winnipeg. I just sort of get what the place is about in terms of the crazy long winters and yeah. what it takes to sort of um, quote unquote make it out of that city and uh, and how hard it is to get recognized in, in other cities, especially uh, in Toronto, which I suppose for all intents and purposes the music industry is, is kind of in the city. Um, but then again, that was more sort of um, the case when we were we were um, together as a band uh, you know, with social media and, and the internet. Right now, I guess you could really be from anywhere. But for sure, the roots are deep there in Winnipeg for us, and, and, and we still uh, we still love the fact that we made just a little bit of history in Winnipeg. I was in Winnipeg. Uh, I guess it was a few months ago. And I went to the Sals on Stradbrook or, or wherever it is, the big Salisbury house that Britton Cummings owns yeah. part of or something. And there's sort of a big music display there I had heard about. And it's, it's more or less a shrine to the Guess Who, which is you know, well deserved, of course. Um, but there's a little piece of The Watchman in there, too, with a the, with the guitar that was signed. I don't know if you, have you guys seen that. Have you, do you know what I'm talking about?
0: I know the Sals. I haven't been in there in a long time, but I know which one you mean, yeah?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I'm very, very proud of that. I mean, I'm very proud of the fact that in the '90s, that, that, like I said, we 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 sort of we're in the history books a little bit as far as Winnipeg. Whenever Winnipeg gets a mention uh, on Wikipedia or wherever, <laughs> yeah. as far as bands, and where there's half a dozen bands that are mentioned, we usually we usually get in there. So for
0: sure, yeah. I mean, uh, that, that, that I think for sure that definitely uh, that's that's. I mean, you you still hear your your name associated with the city for sure. Uh, well, well for people who are listening uh the way the show usually works is we have a theme word and you know the, the guests and the host picks pick songs related to the theme but uh, right. for this episode what we're gonna do is uh we actually asked you ahead of time uh, to send us a list of songs uh, that you wanted to play so we're kind of g- gonna give it to you to, to select the songs this week and um so instead of just picking songs related to a theme I thought it would be maybe interesting if we we got songs that maybe had influenced different you know different parts of your career or different things like that so um maybe if you could uh we could start with a song that uh, influenced The Watchmen when you first got started, and I know you had a couple choices there by Joe Jackson. Was there one that you wanted to, uh, wanted to throw to?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, um, you, you asked me those questions, He sent me that, uh, uh, those questions by email, I and mean, he was kind of the first guy that, that, that came to mind. He was sort of, um, you know, Mr. kind of new wave in the yeah. late 70s, and when we were doing primarily covers in 89, 90, that sort of thing, we, do, we did three or four of his songs, and I mean, if you wanted to play something like It's Different for Girls or Sunday Papers or something like that, we did both those songs, and I still I still love Joe Jackson's music. So
0: Sure, let's go with uh, It's Different for Girls. It's a great song. So we'll check that out, and we'll come right back.
2: All right, so a Little Joe Jackson.
0: Yeah, that's like that's a really good song. Um, so that sounds good. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. Yeah, for sure. So this is like you guys. You guys were like strictly a cover band at first, is that right, or or is it just well, stuff you covered? We,
1: no, uh, I mean I I actually joined the band about a year in. Um, the Watchmen were the sort of the hottest band in Winnipeg at the time, and I was in other bands. Um... And I actually, the the first band that I was ever really in, in my teens, was was with Danny and Joey from The Watchmen. We sort of went our separate ways. And then they had reformed um, and became The Watchmen. And then about a year in, I joined. And at that point, they were doing a mix of originals and covers, primarily Joey Serling compositions as originals. And as he would write more songs, and we would develop as a band we would drop uh, a cover to when we were adding an original to the set. So we always had um, a goal to do an exclusively uh, set, uh, an exclusive set of original material, but we knew that um, at that point, if we ever wanted to do any proper touring, that we needed to sort of sprinkle the set with some covers too. And we were sort of honing our craft as a, as as songwriters as well. So we learned from. Covering Joe Jackson and Squeeze sure. and XTC and the Police and some pretty heavy uh, sort of late seventies new wave or uh, early punk um, music. So, yeah,
2: that's how you do it, right? I mean, if there's a certain style of drumming that you're uh, hoping to capture, or something learn a bunch of songs with that style of drumming. Yeah, any instrument, right? Yeah, that's what yeah. happens. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah so I
1: mean, that that stuff still resonates today with me, and and. and um, we were never a band about any specific member and their chops, per se.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, I mean, Danny, I think, ha- has and is still an exceptional voice. And he, For sure, he, yeah. To me, he always felt like sort of our, the ace up our sleeve sort of thing, but otherwise, we were a pretty meat and potatoes kind of rock band, and uh, we couldn't rest on anybody being sort of an Yngwie Malmsteen type of <laughs> Player or a Neil Pert or anything like that. It was just about, it it, it became about writing good songs and uh, we wrote songs that um, we liked. We wrote songs that had a certain sort of flavor that we liked at the time uh, as well. Things like REM where there was, they had sort of almost a bit of a melancholic uh, feel to what they did. That was something that really appealed to us. Songs that were kind of sad. And so um, we're all, we're sort of woodshedding all of our songs early. in the 90s, and playing the the Spectrum, which is now the Pyramid, the pyramid yeah. we played there probably uh, once or once or twice, or probably once or twice a month for a while there. <laughs> so it was a great time in Winnipeg, for sure, in terms of lots of live music. Live live music is what people went and saw, and they went out uh, on the weekend, as opposed to kind of what's happening now. I'm not even sure. Well, yeah, means... so
2: that's interesting because both Sam and I grew up and got started getting into music in our teens and would, you know, at that point be going to, like, all-ages punk shows and stuff. Mostly, yeah. Uh, Sam is now a family man, but, you know, can't quite go out quite as much. But I'm going to music shows several times a week. There's tons of stuff going on all the time. In... What are the
1: venues there, John? What are the... What, are the uh, what Is the pyramid still around? Well, it's
2: changed. I mean, the pyramid is still around. Um, there's some newer places that get, like, a lot of bigger names coming through. There's a fair bit of, like... Sort of underground type places, like kind of semi illegal venues, places <laughs> that are like bike shops during the day and play. You can play shows there, shows there at well, night. Lofts and things too, right? Yeah, lofts it. and things like that in the exchange. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. I'm not, I don't go to many like like the, the 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 Windsor. It was probably around.
0: Yeah, the But the Windsor's not a blues bar anymore. Like it's it's kind of morphed into this thing where they have a lot of punk shows there, a lot of heavier stuff. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's still, that's still around. But the Albert's um, Gone. The yeah. Albert's
2: Gone, I'm, and I'm kind of curious, because, I mean, your first album was named after the McLaren, and this is a little bit just before sort of our time going to shows. I'm curious what the scene was like when you guys were coming up and playing in
1: the city. Well, it was a, a great time for original music all across the country, but in Winnipeg you had acoustic uh, Klein, Crash Test Dummies, yeah. Honest John, um, Voice of Boom, um uh, I, I, I'm just sort of um, thinking on my feet here, I'm trying to, I'm sort of, I had a, uh, a calendar, a, a Spectrum calendar sort of emblazoned in my brain, <laughs> and um, so if I wasn't playing on a Friday night at the, at the Spectrum, I was going to see a band, because I was 20 years old, and that was what I was passionate about, so I was sort of keeping uh, myself very interested in what other bands were doing. Uh, locally, I remember loving the band Honest John. They were sort of a um, kind of a teenage head, sort of a rock band um, with a. I think the guy used to be in the Stretch Marks before. Mitch Monk oh, yeah. was his name. Um, so uh, that might that's definitely before your time. But there, are, if you do do like sort of a web search on Honest John, they're a great little band.
0: Yeah, I remember. The, I remember the name for sure. Like I think I started going to shows around '95, maybe. So like you know, it's does this before then. But I mean, a lot of these bands they still kind of had you know, uh, obviously influenced bands that we were into at that time and stuff, so
1: definitely. I love the Albert too, the, Al- the Albert uh, had, you know, a lot of bands that you're talking about were if they wanted a pyramid, they, it, it was sort of, it was just kind of just a run lower in terms of um, uh, cleanliness. <laughs> they, oh you know, yeah, Albert,
0: for sure, yeah. You
1: know, they probably stayed at the Albert in one of those disgusting rooms up at the top there and uh, the play did the Albert once, we did a show It was actually the first show with with Ken, who was our new bass player at the time. We were prepping, I think, for uh, maybe a tour or something, but we went sort of under a pseudonym uh, and played and announced it the day of and played it the Albert, and, uh, I played it with a few bands here and there, just kind of joke bands and stuff, but I watched them actually play it the Albert, and I remember loving it, because we sounded like the Ramones up on that stage.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think everybody does who plays there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: everybody looks and sounds like the Ramones. For sure, yeah. It sort of would CBGBs or something.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah it definitely was, yeah, for sure. Um, so, uh, we should get into another song in a minute, um, I look just, just by you know looking looking up some info on you guys it sounds like uh especially in the early days you were doing like a pretty heavy amount of touring. Um so you know one of the other songs I, I thought I would ask if you could uh pick out there would be a song by a band that you toured with or that otherwise that you kind of uh you know encountered on the way uh, as the Watchmen kind of progressed that you that you still that you're still into. So um what would you like to uh play to go with that there? Right. Um you see
1: we we, we really uh we toured with a lot of Canadian bands, yeah, and and and, uh, and just I I like to maybe dig a little deeper, and and, and I think I had emailed you this as well. We we did this uh, radio broadcast in, um, it was in a city somewhere in Holland, a small city, and we 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 did about four or five songs live to to, to uh, I believe it was live taped and ended up getting broadcast on a small. Um, Doxx radio station and Tindersticks was in the same studio doing the same thing, and I remember um, being introduced to them. They're they're not a very well known band, but they're they at the time they were probably the, the quietest band that, I, that I've really ever seen. We were sort of bashing it out with songs from in the trees, and they were playing these these very quiet songs. I actually don't even know any of the names of any of their songs. I've got a few of their albums on my iPod, but. Maybe
0: if you want to play something by that, that might be kind
1: of cool. Tinder sticks. Sure, yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, let's check it out. I got memories I keep them away from me They won't be here Won't be what I want to be I've seen it all and it's all done
0: all right, so that was uh, dying slowly by Tindersticks, and yeah, like uh, like you mentioned, that's uh, I think it's a pretty
1: not well known band. I mean, no, where I, are, where are they from? Do you know? Well, they're, they're, they're British. I, I don't know exactly which city, okay, uh, but uh, and they've been around probably for twenty five years. Yeah, yeah. These soundtracks and they're, they're they're sort of Nick Cave sort of um, you know murder ballads mm. and stuff
2: like that. But that's an, yeah, that's a really neat way to. Well, you guys. I mean, you must have been really excited to get the chance to go overseas. You did like a tour in what, Australia and stuff, I think?
1: Um, we did a lot of Australia. Silent Radio was, was had sort of a proper release uh, down there, and we, we were there three times. One um, sort of a mini tour, one just sort of a promotional tour where we literally went around with acoustic instruments for about two and a half weeks hmm. um, and played songs to promote the album and um, luxury Like Kings by EMI Records, mm-hmm. and then we went back shortly after that and did sort of a full blown electric tour for about uh, close to a month. So we did that, and um, we toured a number of countries in Europe and all over the states. And um, Canada was sort of our bread and butter. Yeah, so we really we tried to um, expand things whenever we could, whenever there was usually a label who was going to throw us some money to do some proper
2: travel. Yeah, it's neat way to get introduced though to like music that you'd probably you'd never otherwise for sure, hear. Yeah. Right? Like I don't know what's happening in Australia. There's probably similar music to exactly what I'm interested in happening there and I'll, I would never How would yeah. you ever know? Even with the internet, I think, a lot of things. The internet these helps things, though. The internet definitely the internet helps. helps yeah. But back
1: uh, yeah, and this was all pre-internet. Pre-internet. I mean, was, uh, you got to go there. <laughs> so it was um, it was a
2: fun time for sure. So you mentioned um, you know, your promotional tour being sort of treated like kings and, you know, having a label that would front the money and stuff. Being in a band that, yeah, you had like a couple of hit records and stuff and, you know, music, the business itself has changed quite a bit the way that labels and bands and the relationship functions. Back then, um, what was it like to have like an album that was a huge success and then having to, I guess, hopefully you're supposed to follow it up, right, with another one that's mm-hmm. equally or even better received, so... Uh, what, how did you guys find that? What was it like?
1: Hmm. Well, it was—it felt very, very organic. Just the whole sort of arc of the band's career, I suppose. I mean, we we had a, um, a debut album that was on a small imprint um, that our management at the time created. It uh, was distributed by NCA Records at the time, and then in the trees, the second album was a proper. Uh, MCA release, um, which incidentally is going to be reissued in the fall. I was going to ask
0: about that. I was going because it's the 20th anniversary this year, right?
1: Yeah, it's in- exactly July 1994, the 20th anniversary of, of In the Treason, where we're releasing in September, uh, God willing, a uh, sort of a double disc with the original CD that's going to be touched up a bit, and then um, close to about 20 outtakes. Cool. Um the album demoed, uh the full album sort of in sequence, um, demoed and then some acoustic uh songs and then we're also gonna be including that um that radio show from Maholland that I was talking about oh, earlier cool. that I actually had a, uh, a nice recording of. And these are all the tapes that I had sort of been collecting over the years that were literally sitting in my shoe boxes in a basement and I went to Universal and sort of pitched them on the idea of having sort of a companion disc to in the trees and Mentioned the 20th anniversary and how there was a time this was a platinum CD and yeah, they were all for it.
0: So that's awesome. I mean, so, I need to find. I need to get a new copy of that album because my tape is long gone. <laughs> like I had it for I had yeah. it for many years, but it's uh, yeah, I don't know what happened to it.
1: Yeah, well, well, I mean, we're really excited about it. We're sort of right in the the eye of the needle with this one right now, as far as dealing with some licensing, some songs, and artwork, and all that. So, um, but there was never. A, we never got sort of quote-unquote big enough to, to sort of have a record company breathing down our neck to, to follow up an album. The only time that ever really happened is it was actually after Silent Radar, where we were having a, just kind of some growing pains as far as how to follow that album up, and we had done probably two years of touring, and um, the band started to get interested in more, electron, more electronica, and um, we were pretty burnt out from doing... More or less two years nonstop um, touring. So that was when that was the only time where we, we, we I felt like we were a little bit sort of lost at sea, I guess. Um,
2: Maybe an inevitable, um, you know, phase to go through. But w- was that around the time that you went on to other things as well?
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. So I mean, I I, uh, I sort of left left the group shortly before the album Slow Motion came out. Maybe it was about two or three months. And we went through the usual demoing process with with uh, the label, and um, them wanting to hear a certain type of song. And uh, I, I, I suppose um, Silent Radar had some pretty obvious singles. It's so cliche, you know. We don't hear a single from a record label is what they what they say. But in hindsight, I think what was happening was uh, the like I said, the 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 internet and the whole culture of the music industry was changing really quickly and that was coinciding with the time when we were all I think just maybe losing a little bit of interest in what we were doing the band had been together at that point for probably over 10 years, maybe yeah. 10, 11 years so uh... yeah it was an interesting time but um... we it's, it's uh... it's just part of the story I guess, yeah. part of the Washington story
2: yeah and when you when you moved on from The Watchmen, I mean, were you still thinking of pursuing music or were you just thinking, okay, that was, you know, an amazing uh, run and time to move on to real life or something? How did how did it work?
1: Uh, it's funny you say that. and I, I, I do feel like I, I really got my first job when I was 30 years old <laughs> um, because uh, I, I wish I'd lived in a, a van or an airport lounge uh, in my 20s with the band. So, um, I went on to uh, some other things. I'm, I'm I work right now. I work uh, in media sales at uh, Toronto Life Magazine. I've been I've been basically doing this type of work since I left the band. Um, so uh, right now I kind of have the personally the best of both worlds because we do get to still play. Um, like I said, usually go to half a dozen shows a year. They're high profile. We're we're releasing some, you know, not new, but some some reissued material with some new stuff. Um, there's this there's this uh, book biography that's coming out. So it's it's still, uh, like I said earlier, the music that we, we did do back then is something that we're all really proud of. And, and I, I still um, I have a real keen interest in getting as many people as I can to hear the stuff that we did and dig up anything that we never released back then for anybody who's interested right now. And it's like I said, it's not it's not a, a ton of people, but
0: there are enough people, I think, to to warrant the efforts that,
1: that we make to sort of keep things alive. For sure, yeah,
0: um, yeah. Okay, let's get let's get to another song here. Um, one of the sure. questions that asked you, you know, ahead of time by email was uh, about some of the side projects or other people you guys have played with, and I uh, just thought uh-huh. maybe you could pick a song by someone that you or anyone else in the band had played with. And you mentioned Art Bergman as being a hero of yours. Um, who you played with before? So, was there a particular song uh, of his you'd like to uh, like to play? Do you know ours his stuff? I'm very, yeah, very, very small amount of familiarity. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've definitely heard it, but I don't have like a, a lot of knowledge about it. So, I know it's yeah, maybe one or two songs that's about all I've heard.
1: Yeah, well, he he was uh, probably the biggest uh, sort of unsung hero that Canada ever saw. He was in a band called the Young Canadians when he was probably in his twenties. He was in a band called the K that I think were. Possibly threatened by Ktel to change his <laughs> name, and um, <clears throat> he was sort of a punk rock hero who has been given a number of um, who had been given a number of opportunities to sort of go the major label route in the '90s. And I think he was originally introduced to me by the guy who produced The Watchmen's first album, a guy called Chris Wardman, who had worked pretty extensively with Art.
0: Okay,
1: and. Um, uh, anyway, he, 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 I think he's probably has maybe four or five solo albums and he's just a great songwriter. Uh, he, he just has a real um, he's got a real edge to him and he's, he's just sort of a unique guy that, that never really um, never really made it um, but he's got I think crazy fans as well people who still listen to his stuff and I guess probably it must have been about three or four years ago now uh, Art was playing in Toronto, and Chris wardman again was putting a band together, uh, and he asked if I would play drums with Art, uh, and we played the, a show at the Queen Elizabeth. I think it was the Queen Elizabeth Theater, some theater in Toronto with a band called the Great Lakes Swimmers. So Great it. Lake Swimmers. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, I call them Great Lake sleepers because Art called them that. And <laughs> I think he might have done that on stage. I'm not sure if it was on purpose. It's, very typical art to sort of do that on stage but great lake swimmers so um, anyway I, I played a guy who I considered to be a hero and I was kind of in awe I mean he, he's kind of this Iggy Pop sort of character who's had sort of his struggles with, with booze and alcohol and uh, or booze and, and drugs whatever, yeah. from from what I hear it's well documented I'm not sort of just making this up but anyway so I, I, I did 40 minutes with art on stage and, and it was um, it was that would be a real thrill for me. So play something by Art Bergman. Cool. All right,
2: we'll figure something out. <laughs> All right, Art Bergman. Yeah, who I hadn't really heard before. I started checking out uh, a bit of it beforehand, um, like before we started the show here. And, yeah, had a cool sound, like there's um, a new wave sound to him, and, um, yeah, you were saying, like, the sort of Iggy Pop thing, yeah, seems maybe a a tad rough around the edges.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that was sort of his persona, I think. Ultimately, he's just a guy who's a great songwriter. Yeah. I think he, he might have put out an album that was just stripped down acoustic versions of his songs and that's kind of what we did when I performed with him and cool. he's got great songs he's, and it doesn't matter what his persona really was and what have you it was, um, that was just kind of part of the fun for him but mm-hmm. cool. um, yeah he's, he's a good one still is one of the things I
0: was, uh, you know, like, uh, with every guest, I mean, obviously we were familiar with you, with you guys beforehand. With every guest we have on the show, some of them we've never heard of, some of them we know really well, some of them we know their music really well. Uh, I like to just look up whatever I can find uh, at a time, whether it's Wikipedia, whether it's an interview, whether it's, you know, whatever's available. So one of the things that I noticed just looking at Wikipedia here about your records is, uh, and this has come up on the show before, um... We've talked to a, a band who's who's won who's won and lost some Junos. It looks like you guys lost Junos three years in a row to the to the Tragically Hip, like every time. Uh, that's right. that's gonna suck. <laughs> like well. a bit of, not not to bring up bad stuff, but I mean, uh, what what is it like? Uh, you know, I mean, is, does that almost feel like well, of course the Tragically Hip wins because they seem like they win everything uh, in Canada. <laughs> uh, well, we we um I, I didn't even know that actually. I knew
1: I knew that we were nominated for three Junos, but um. According to the I internet, anyway.
0: Yeah. I According to, me? to the internet, you guys lost three times in a row to the HIP.
1: Yeah, and there's never any false information on the internet. Of course right? not, no. No, 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 it's no under- but... I, it- I, I think it could be right. I mean, we were the same management company, and, and, and let's face it, in the 90s, that was really the they were, uh, mm-hmm, yeah. high water mark of the tragedy we hit in terms of commercial success. So sure. they were winning every Juneau, um, <laughs> and and so the the cycle of our band would, coincided with the hips once again commercial heyday so um, I haven't really thought about it I, it's it's not something I'm embarrassed about I no mean, you it, shouldn't it's be you it's, like, it's cliche but it, it to be nominated with with arguably the most successful Canadian band in the last thirty years is you know pretty good company for sure definitely yeah yeah yeah.
0: Yeah, so no, I didn't mean to be like you know. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought yeah, it, was a, yeah, it was curious. I know, I,
1: I'm not, yeah. I, I'm not offended in the least. Yeah. I, I, um, I, there was a time when, when it, you know, now that you mention it, where it just seemed like, uh, you know, everything they touched turned to gold. But it wasn't like I, 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 was looking at our band and saying, you know, that's not happening to us or whatever. I mean, it's, um, they're, they're, they, we did a lot of shows with them, and I think we actually learned a lot from them. In terms of work ethic, that's they, right. You they, you toured with them, right? We did lots of dates with them. We did some touring with them. And, and they were, once again, uh, their peak was pre internet, too. And For they sure. were winning fans over one, one fan at a time by playing shows and getting better with what they were doing and trying to to move things along uh, organically. And, and we took that sort of, we took the same model because we were managed by the same company. Uh, and it was just sort of hard work. Uh, yeah. You play for 10 people in Regina, then maybe you'll pay for 20 people in Regina when you go back. Yeah. And they tell 10 friends, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, I, and, and I, I really believe that as a result of that approach and the fact that the band, there was actually a label that developed The Watchmen as opposed to just the American Idol roots where you're an instant star, we still have people who care. Uh, because they saw us probably a number of times uh, back then and um, that, that I think there's just something that resonates a bit deeper than just uh, some of the more superficial stuff that that we're seeing these days so.
0: yeah for sure so um now that you guys are uh, you know you're playing you obviously playing older songs uh, again and you're uh you know you're re- releasing the uh, you reissuing the one album and uh, all of that uh, if you look back at your catalog and oh. in your career um, as a band, uh, how do you how do you feel that your your old albums hold up? I mean, uh, if you listen to them now, is there anything about it that that you wish you would change, or do you think that like they you know perfectly kind of represented the time and place you were in? Or yeah, know, what's what's your take? I guess on on listening back to the old material, whether it's you know to, to reissue in the trees or to rehearse for some of these old songs again. The only one that have-
1: I. Given any, just it, it, been given any sort of um, time is is in the trees. Um, I actually grabbed it from iTunes recently because I don't, I couldn't find my copy. Is <laughs> um, that one to me still stands up? I mean, there's no real sort of gimmickry uh, within the recording of that or really anything that, that we recorded. I mean, there's definitely some cringeworthy moments on some of the songs or maybe some of the arrangements that were a bit naive um i do have sometimes moments um w- even listening to trees where i'm kind of like what the hell were we thinking with yeah. that sort of thing but your parts um, should be
2: the safest though being <laughs> being the
1: yeah well you know it's it's yeah probably but <laughs> There's, there's more good than,
2: than bad. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think it's probably held up well considering, yeah, I've certainly gone back to some of the things I listened to in the 90s and was, yeah. you know, really into, and then gone, what the there, what the fuck is this? There's <laughs> some stuff I used it. to
0: listen to that's really embarrassing now, but that, I mean, that album for sure, like, like like I was saying, you know, you hear you hear some of your old songs on the radio, uh, especially from that kind of era, and like, you know, if it ever is on, I'm going to turn it up, like, for every time. I, I, you know, it's, I mean, I had that tape for years and years and years until eventually... I don't know, deteriorated, got lost in a move or something, but I mean that was a, that album in particular was definitely like uh, my favorite of yours, and I think that like listening to some of it before uh, doing the show, some of the songs again, like I think it definitely holds up. I was just curious what you thought of it, uh, you know, as as being
2: part of the yeah. creation of it. Sometimes we're we're own. Uh, worst I'm, very, critics. I'm very
1: proud of that record. I mean, that like I said, that's the one that I've heard most recently. Yeah, and um, I think there's a certain continuity with that album in terms of the song choices we made and uh, we were really coming into our own as group songwriters when that album was being put together and that's something people are going to hear when they listen to this reissue. There's a whole sort of arc of the beginning stages of demoing to the end stages of demoing that album where we started uh, writing as a group and um, just tightening up our songwriting a little bit and um sonically i think that album so- sounds great like i said we never uh and it wasn't a conscious thing but we never really got into any sort of things like heavy reverb or electronic drums or, or anything that sort of clearly indicates that this music is from a specific decade sometimes yeah. you listen to something from 1983 and you know that that is definitely men with hats you know? yeah, yeah. men without hats or cindy lopper or something um and and It wasn't
2: some calculated thing, but the albums, I think, do, they're pretty timeless, if I do say so myself. Nice. No, that's great that you... That's, again, (laughs) that's what
0: what you want to have happen, right? You want to listen to it 20 years later and and have that that attitude towards it, for sure. Um, So, are you guys... uh, I mean, you guys have shows coming up uh, in the fall, is that right? Yeah. Yeah,
1: we're doing... We've got two shows... um, We've got three shows, actually. We, we, we put a, a show on sale uh, Friday night, September 19th, the Horseshoe that is more or less sold out. It's it almost sold out within 24 hours of being on sale, so oh, cool. we decided to add Thursday, September 18th uh, as well, which is um, going to be on sale um, maybe by the time people hear this. Um, so that's, and then we also added a Saturday uh, of that weekend, Saturday the 20th at a place called Mavericks in Ottawa, these are smaller clubs that hold three, four hundred people, so they're going to be really intimate. And we're we sort of promised ourselves this time. We had a bit of a band meeting about a week and a half ago that we really try to sort of dig into the catalog a bit and try to get some um, sort of uh, get some songs out there that we rarely play, and um, we want to sort of uh, showcase the Trees reissue and. Yeah. and get people interested in that because it's going to
2: so hopefully coincide with the release of the, uh, of the In the Trees reissue. With a, um, with a more co- sort of like lax live, you know, a, a live uh, concert schedule that isn't quite so uh, daunting, it's more spread out throughout the year, do you guys find it, is it harder to prepare to like, you know, do a show where things are ready to go? Or, or is it just do, muscle you know, memory? If yeah, of- you know these songs well enough? You can get in a few, you know, rehearse uh, half a dozen times and... You're, you're ready yeah, to rock. I know what
1: you mean. I mean, it's... it's, it's, uh, it's we, we, the music we play is not that complex. Right, So, right. Uh, I mean, w- it depends on how uh, how did we deep we want to deep. We want to dig, rather. Um, how deep we want to deep? <laughs> i tired here. Um, in terms of the material that, that we choose... So, I mean, we could, we could get together and do the minimum amount of work and play the 20 songs that, that, that we know are going to be fine, or we can sort of um, try to sort of challenge ourselves a bit and play some stuff that we have played a lot, of. maybe make, uh, play some new songs. We often try to get maybe one or two brand new ones in there. Okay. I know that Danny is really sort of big on that. He's mentioned that he's got a couple of new songs that he definitely wants to present mm. to us in the next few months. And get them performed um, live in the fall. So this time around, um, it's not going to be hard work, but we definitely have to get together about three or four times and really um, um, make a concerted effort to get our chops back together. Yeah. So any any chance of that's the toughest thing, I guess, getting getting the chops back because you sort of you remember the songs, but you're you're sometimes for me my hands don't sort of do what my brain wants them to do. Until I sort of get in the swing of things a bit, and that usually takes definitely a couple of sessions.
2: Yeah, once you started working a sort of quote-unquote regular job, did you keep up with playing, or did you have to come back to it and kind of fit, refigure it out? Figure it out.
1: Well, I'm sitting in my my basement office right now, staring at my drum kit that I set up <laughs> actually about two weeks ago. That's been sitting in boxes for a long time, um, which means I'm feeling inspired to to do some playing um but uh, i don't do a lot of playing with with other bands because to me the the watchman is the most exciting band that that i can play with and i love playing the songs that we wrote together and um it's not super appealing to me to sort of go back to square one and pay, play with you know band that's going to be um, on stage at 2 a.m at the horseshoe on a tuesday or something
0: yeah for sure yeah um,
1: Yeah, so, uh, but but when when it it comes time to play a show and when we're sort of, when the show is imminent, uh, I start getting uh, a bit more of a handle on my own chops and then we get together as a band and then we sort of do it collectively. And The four of us are pretty consistently in contact by email because there often does seem to be some type of sort of business or something that needs to be addressed and it's pretty easy at this point with all of us just, doing it that way Um, just like I said with this book that's coming out and with the CD reissue and then the shows so it feels like it's things can sometimes get sort of busy with the band even though we don't have a show for four months yeah cool um, I know you don't have
0: a, a ton of time here, so we, we do we did have one more song uh that we wanted you to, to, to pick here. But um before we get into that I'm wondering if maybe you can let everyone know uh how they can find out more. I mean, I think a lot of people uh a lot of people listening will definitely be familiar with the band, probably had some one or two of the albums or more back in the day, hear the singles on the radio still, but like what do they do now? They might not know that you're still playing shows, that you're 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 still doing things. So if someone who, you know,
2: and now that you guys are on the internet... Yeah,
0: how, how do people find you? How do they find out about shows, about any new releases, things like that?
1: Sure, well, for that opportunity, I mean, we, we're we at the-watchman.com, okay. uh, for starters, the-watchman.com, and if you go there, you can sign up to get uh, on our mailing list that's going to uh, allow you to receive first sort of mentions of show announcements, we also have on the site various sort of goodies in terms of free downloads. We have a full uh, acoustic album that we did at, at a club in Australia uh, that's to download, and we've got two sort of brand new, never seen the light of day uh, on album albums um, um, that are out there as well. A song called Trampoline, a song called My, uh, Miss Monday Morning. So there's, uh, there's there's great stuff on the website, and then of course. At uh, Watchman Music is our Twitter and Facebook and the usual sort of good stuff. So cool, it's okay. definitely easy
0: to find via social media. Well, and, that's uh, that's how we found you, you. So yeah, awesome. Uh, yeah, hopefully uh, you know people um, will check out check out what you guys are doing because uh, you know, like I said, I think a lot of people did listen to you. You know, kind of at the height of things, and, that, and maybe they they're not aware that uh, you're back. And
1: so it's always good to hear. Yeah, it's always yeah, it's always yeah, good to hear well, for I, sure. I appreciate you guys. Um, Giving, giving, me the time to you know plug some of this uh, new stuff we kind of we're, we're pretty fired up about. Uh about
0: these new things we're doing, so it's I think
1: 2014 is going to be a fun year for us. So awesome! And cool. anything for UMFM, anything for Winnipeg, I'm I'm all for it. I think it's
0: great what you guys are doing too. Awesome, thanks. Let's go. We're, we're really glad to have you. Um, so just uh, so we can go out on a song here, uh, the last one I, I kind of wanted you to select would be uh, something that you're into right now. You know, any 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 artist, any genre, just a song that you're that really is uh, you know doing things for you at the moment. So what what do you, what's in your
1: iPod? Well, I mentioned Beach House on the uh, yeah in the email. Do, do you know those guys?
2: That's another one I know the name of. Uh, yeah, I've got i I've got you, the a yeah. couple out, and no, I've got the album Teen Dream is what I've got. I don't have the album yeah. with this song on it.
1: Yeah, that Teen Dream is great. I mean, they, they did an album called Bloom. Uh, I guess it's probably from 2012, um, and it just uh, for me, it, it just it came along at a time when I wasn't, I hadn't really found anything for a long time that I really. Uh, was enjoying and I I got it I bought it after hearing a song on, on iTunes and I think I might have seen them on David Letterman or something but um the first either first either myth or wild they the first two songs on bloom maybe go with wild sure um, they have a, just a great uh, female vocalist they're just a duo and they have a very atmospheric sort of uh, almost like a cocktail twins sort of sound um, but the songs are great The news are great And uh, they're one
0: of my favorites right now They're awesome Alright, well let's, let's check out Beach House uh, Thanks a lot Sammy, we're glad we could uh, get you on the show Yeah, thanks for the time And uh, yeah, everyone check out The Watchmen. Thanks a lot my pleasure.
1: It's, Thanks for having me